One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to the Hell in a Cell review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamfler from What Culture, to review everything that happened on, well, tonight's episode of Hell in a Cell. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz of course on wrestle culture as i said they're joined by michael hamlet to review hell in a cell and sir was this the most spectacular hell in a cell ever oh my god look it's uh around 5 a.m uh uk time as we're recording this it's uh still just about dark outside which is a nice upgrade from when some shows finish uh but mm. we cannot be afraid of things that go bump in the night because the only person that took bumps at night that scared us all was Cody Rhodes tonight. No, mate, yeah. Like, I will, that moment will live with me. The jacket coming off will live with me for a very, very long time. Um, I tweeted this uh, recently. I hope I will be forgiven. For the Hamlet Mega fans will forgive you. I, uh, it's, it is about moments still. I know moments got a little bit uncool because NXT made them so. <laughs> I'm, I'm man enough to admit that. Uh, but it is about moments as much as about matches, pro wrestling is. Uh, and that one will stick with me. That jacket coming off elevated this match to something different. It elevated the show to something more memorable, and indeed Cody's run uh, to something more legacy-defining, even though he's only been back at this three months, and indeed, I suppose, the, the feud with Seth Rollins too. It's. I feel like it would be irresponsible, not least because I've just screamed my fat little face off on a live stream about how exciting and wild it was. I feel like it would be a little bit irresponsible to not sort of at least discuss that he worked it at all. You know, like, yeah. Triple H, we've, it's, you mirror the two because, of course, it's relatively recent and the, the visual of the big bruise looks familiar. Triple H sustained that injury, worked through that match, very hurt, and then immediately took time off to recover it. He wasn't working a full-time schedule like Cody is and, you know, expected to be a main eventer and stuff. We don't know. We're not doctors yet. We don't know how hurt Cody was going into this. We can the only report said, yeah, that he slightly tore it in that brawl to close Raw, yeah. go home Raw, ahead of Helena Cell, and then tore it completely off the bone, training for this match. We're waiting to find out about clearance. I... Is that, like, I, I want to be worked, is what I'm saying. I think is what I'm trying to arrive at. It, it is late. I apologize. I want to be worked. I want Cody to be really sore. I don't want him to be sore, but I, I want him to just be really sore. I want this to be, look so much worse than it actually is because the visual was so powerful and so potent and so useful in the match. 
getting prodded and stabbed out oh. with a kendo stick. You know, we'll get into the review later on. How they u- how they utilize the injury is such great success. Now Cody sold it. I want him to obviously need need time to recover, but I want him to have been okay to go in there in the first place. Yeah. I don't I don't and never have supported the precedent that now that we're in the era of doctors actually clearing wrestlers, that we still go back to the old days of now you tape it up and you work through it, kid. I don't need those days back, and I don't particularly want them back, so I'm not an advocate for it. In the moment, I was so, so excited by the prospect of this site and this man working with the arm hanging off and all the rest of it. So I'm curious to see how that kind of like all comes out in the days to come. Undeniable what it did for the drama. Like, it's the same. I know a lot of people have to debate over blood. I think sometimes it can be a bit egregious. Sometimes it is perfect for the story, and this was absolutely perfect for the story. That Well, not that they elected to tell. They had no choice but to tell. Yeah, and uh, I said this as the show came to a close. One of the best trilogies in recent memory when it comes to WWE. Yeah, the thing with trilogies in WWE is that more feuds go to them than should. Yes. More feuds go to them than not, probably. Because almost and Bobby Lashley. Yeah, almost and Bobby Lashley on this show. We have this thing now where we're doing our preview shows or we're doing it, whether it be a pay-per-view or a TV show, and we ask ourselves out loud, because they never give us a card, if... It's going to be a TV payoff or a premium live event payoff. And inevitably, it's both. Yes. It's just, well, there's all the content. There's all the hours to fill. So we'll mine, you know, this feed for as much as we can. This has been preserved, at least, for premium live events. It has appeared for the first time uh, in a headline slot in its last chapter, which is quite nice. The way in which they've managed to thread it from one show to the next show to the next show has been genuinely impressive for the low bar with which we set WWE, the, the curve with which we grade this product on. And yeah, uh, every match is delivered. Every match has been unique. This one, surely the most unique of the bunch. Yes. And think of the ground that covers. One of them was Cody's return to the company six years after starting a rival organization. It happened upon something very weird and very strange and not something that you'd want to happen too often. But I like Hell in a Cell. In years and years and years and years to come, Hell in a Cell will be the Cody Peck show. <laughs> and if nothing else... Like, it's really hard for things to stand out in this era of content churn and over-delivery and over-saturation, not even over-delivery, like super service and over-saturation of stuff. And, yeah, I can't credit Cody himself and indeed the wrestlers themselves for going through with this in the way they did. Yeah, really, really good stuff. And as you say, we'll get to the uh, match itself and our feelings towards it uh, as we run through this show. Let's Mm. start at the beginning, though, with the opener, which was just brilliant, a real... A real mark setter in terms of, we went into this, you and I are fairly optimistic. I think people would have got that from our preview <laughs> earlier on in the week. And yet I saw a lot of people saying, is this just a glorified episode of Raw? Which mm. on paper it could easily have been, like you say, a series of rematches, you know, a stepped up few couple in One there. One thing from SmackDown. <laughs> yeah. Um and then just this, like, hastily thrown together, oh, Sasha and Naomi are left, right, we'll just do a triple threat, I suppose, then mm. instead. Well, Bianca Belair, Asker, and Becky Lynch really did set a marker, as I say, and set the show off on the right tone with this opening triple threat. Yeah, absolutely. I think there was the sense that these were the best of the rest or the best of what was left, I guess, uh, following Sasha and Naomi's exit. And the fact that Sasha went meant that there was no Ronda feud either, so they were kind of holding it down really for either women's division tonight because WWE couldn't be asked to set <laughs> something up other than like women getting locked in a room on SmackDown. So there was, I think there was quite a lot of pressure riding on this. Now, for the most part, it delivered. It was, look, we'll get the, the bad news out of the way first. It was botchy and clunky in places where I think at this point, you kind of don't want that from mm. Asuka, Becky and Bianca. These are 
the measuring stick, really, for the raw women's division, certainly. So you don't want to see these minor little communication hiccups because they do have, they do create delays or they do create little breaks in immersion, and it's not ideal. But otherwise, I thought the execution was really sound. And if nothing else, they took a wholly predictable uh, result and made it unpredictable. They did the one thing you need from a match like this, which is just for a second to get you lost enough in the moment to doubt it. Bianca Belair was going in, not only as a champion that has only recently won the belt, but as a champion against people that we know, certainly within our bubble, that she wasn't supposed to be defending the title mm-hmm. against. So that kind of took the element of surprise out of it. And yet they managed to locate it, these three women. And ultimately, I think we got where we needed to with the finish. Becky Lynch uh, is playing. She's over-egging her part for me in terms of the acting, as great as her in-ring was, and I think it was spectacular in place. So there was a sequence she sold for Asuka where the two of them just lit the building up, and indeed when Asuka lit Becky up. But she is now, as a character, she effectively told the story here well of what on earth can I do? And this was more impressive. I don't. I advocated on the Raw review that I don't want to see Bianca wrestle as much as they're making her wrestle because her stuff starts to feel sometimes a little... She's such a special talent, and she sometimes feels a little bit practiced. You know, a lot of the spots, mm-hmm. a lot of the spots have to be there because they have to be there, rather than because there's an organic way for them to come in. This blew that take out of the water. There was loads of organic use of the hair of Bianca Belair's gutsiness and her guile, and more importantly, her intelligence as a champion. She is growing in experience as a performer, and that played directly into how she won this match. Yeah, really, really did. And uh, like, like you say, there's elements of this where it's like. The typical triple threat, bumped to the outside and uh, spend far too long out there for what the manoeuvre or whatever is that you've taken so the other two can just get their stuff in together. And yet, as I was sat there going, oh, here we go, yeah, triple threat sort of things, Asuka puts on a double submission. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I really like that finish as well, even though, like you say, there was, I'm not sure, miscommunication, botch, whatever you want to call it. I'm fairly certain that, the anchor was meant to come off the top to break up the yeah. the uh, Asker lock. But I didn't care because it didn't factor directly into the finish. Mm. And what a finish it was, even though it was surprising that Asker was the one who ate the pinfall. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Becky hitting, sorry, getting hitched, I say, uh, by Bianca Belair when she had the match won. It was Asker obviously taking the fall. Uh, was, like I say, just if nothing else, uh, Bianca Belair showing that it wasn't just beating Becky Lynch at WrestleMania that proved that she had it in her. It was defending the title. It was another metal-testing moment for this character. They have already done more with Bianca Belair in this reign than they did in the entire duration of her first one. And I'm one of the few people that enjoyed the bulk of the feud with Bailey. Like, this is them finally getting right some of the things they missed out on last year. When she lost that title to Becky in a few seconds, it wasn't just bad on the night. It was like, oh, this reign really wasn't up to that mm. much. She's holding that gold with a completely different poise and composure. And I thought this match did a really good job, if nothing else, of telling that story um, for whatever it is that she's got next. Because now, really, it probably can't be Becky or Asuka. It makes you wonder, with Asuka pinned and with Becky feeling frozen out, it's sort of who next for Bianca and the other two have to maybe go back to the drawing board. Yeah, really exciting to see where they go next with with a lot of these feuds, in fact. Mm. Uh Although some of them, very nice to have a line drawn underneath them. Speaking of which, handicap match time. It was uh, Bobby Lashley challenging both Omos and MVP, a feud that, again, has rumbled on since WrestleMania. Um, We saw beforehand, uh, yet again, Cedric Alexander offering his help to MVP, who just flat out told him, look, 
give it up. The Hurt Business isn't going to happen again, mate. Yeah. And uh, almost Tom to piss off. Uh, in the end, he did factor into a finish of a match that we'd seen large parts of before. Like, they, they did all they could in terms of, you know, Bobby Lashley, as I often say, was bloody trying his hardest out there. And he grabbed the WWE Championship afterwards. Not the WWE Championship, a replica yeah, WWE replica Championship that, yeah. afterwards uh, to possibly signify his future intentions. But like I said, uh, we've seen a lot of this on telly. We've seen two premium live event matches. The only change has been the MVPs, of course, in Omos's corner. And yet, it was just nice to be like, right, it's over. It's finally over. Yeah, it's like... Uh, I'd like to think if, you know, we're sitting here doing a podcast and I'm saying, how really can I talk about what went on is probably the feelings that people had watching at home as mm. well. How can we really reflect on what we saw there? You know, that if Madcap Moss is just a meat and potatoes guy with a punchline at the end, I'll be recap Ross and I'll just say the things that happened with a punchline <laughs> at the end because there's just nothing to add but what you saw. Bobby Lashley and Omos have these exchanges now, which we've just seen over and over again with MVP as the cutoff guy, with MVP getting in, taking advantage of the fact that he's got his big mate out here and he can do things to Bobby Lash that he otherwise wouldn't have stood a chance to do. I did quite like that they completed the Cedric Alexander arc. This buffoon that has tried to help the heels was finally told in no uncertain terms tonight. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's been told on television <laughs> as well. But like, told, stop it. We don't want you. And he's grown a bit of a backbone. He's grown a little bit of a spine. He's come in to help. He's still been battered, by the way. He still looks a little bit of a loser. And there was the way that like him and Bobby Lashley were framed after the fact were like, hey, like, good to see you out there tonight, but don't screw up my match again. And Cedric's like, I won, you know, this is a fresh start for me. Well, there's a fresh start start right now, because you still got your arse handed to you when you went out there. <laughs> but by the by, like he still looked like a goon, but his distraction was helpful because at very least Lashley got the fair shake against MVP. And as soon as he had him in the hurt lock, obviously this was there's that justification. And there was, if nothing else, a Bap for Bobby yeah. Lashley's victory. Chicago liked it a lot. Bobby seemed fired up with the win, as you say, grabbing the replica belt, sealing his, suggesting that his intentions are for Roman Reigns. We'd sort of speculated that Lashley Reigns was a possible stadium direction. So why not look at SummerSlam, perhaps? Yeah, it's out. It's done. It's finished. Let's move on. Yeah, please. One thing I don't want to move on from is this eternal feud between Kevin Owens and <laughs> Ezekiel. Mm. Um, Kevin Owens emerged victorious on the night. Possible uh, speculation on our part on the stream. Possible um, inexperience from Ezekiel, this being his first premium live event, of course. But I'm very excited to see where they go next with this, despite the clinical nature of the finish. But by the way, as well, Ezekiel sold the hell out of that stunner. He did. Yeah, this was... Um, this was basic, but basic isn't always bad. You know, I like my burgers without sauce. It's just sometimes worthwhile having a wrestling match where a guy like Ezekiel, character all aside, we'll get to that, but a guy as Elias that wasn't known for too many classics to go out there and have something good when you're working on elevating a character. You know, I don't know if this was just a hot crowd. They were in the All-State in Chicago. It's a great building for them. But there was a point in this match where Ezekiel was hitting Kevin Owens with stinger splashes. Mm -hmm. And he hit two, and he missed the third one, and they were using this, like, the tongue-in-cheek idea that Ezekiel is inexperienced is, in fact, something that they can play with yeah. on screen after the fact. So Elias... It's not a, so, It's not like, well, that's his push done then. Yeah, it's, and, and they're not asking you, the viewer, to be stupid and think that Elias is inexperienced. But he's not doing Elias moves, is he? 
There was the elbow drop in there that he was taught by his brother, wink, wink. But there's likes of Stinger Splashes, the babyface fire-up stuff that, that far more denotes the tassels around his arms mm-hmm. than the bandanas that used to be around Elias's wrists. This is this character doing this character things. So you can use that for the reality and you can use, well, guys, I gave my best shot, but it was my first PLE and I was just nervous as the continuation of Kevin Owens getting increasingly frustrated. He stared coldly down the lens as he covered, having hit the stunner, say, one, two, three, I beat you, Elias. It's going to piss him off so much when Ezekiel takes that from him tomorrow night on Raw, or indeed whenever any character takes that from him. I don't think the story is over. I think the fans are still going to be with Ezekiel. I was, when I sort of so firmly predicted Ezekiel was going to win because I thought a victory, yeah. a victory for, well, a victory for Owens would be a bit of a, a gimmick killer for the, the new Ezekiel idea. I've watched this play out and I don't think it is. I think there's more meat on the bone. I think the match was perfectly serviceable. And honestly, the reason I thought that Ezekiel had been such a success was because he was being put in this golden hot tag role. He was out there you know, flying without a net tonight, and I think for the most part, this was a success. Speaking of which, he might be going after the tag titles with his brother, said so on the kickoff. Well, indeed. Yeah, I mean, uh, if WWE want to dabble in the cinematic in time for <laughs> SummerSlam again, I guess we can take another look at how that might be. Otherwise, uh, I don't know, what Owens tries to move on and wants to qualify for money in the bank, but he can't get it done. What, what's the... Guitar and a pole match. There you go. Guitar and a pole match, please. Done. Bish, bash, bosh. Right, let's talk about the six-person mixed tag team match pitting the Judgment Day against what did they call? What do we call them on the stream? Oh, it was more alliteration, wasn't it? The Ammunition A- Ammunition Association. Association, yeah. Because we can't call them. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Liv Morgan. Um, I said this before. I'll say it again. Whether it's and I don't like drawing comparisons between the two of them because you've said you've said yourself on the stream. In fact, there's been goth bollocks in in wrestling for a long <laughs> time now. They just because they're around at the same time doesn't mean they're copying each other. No. But as with House of Black, when the Judgment Day aren't talking, my God, are they enjoyable to watch in the ring? Yeah, this was good stuff. It was no better that it was like this show was derided for just being an episode of Raw. And I'd say I think you put this as we were watching live on our stream on YouTube that this was. This felt the most like a raw match. You're just watching, like, a lot, not going through the motions, that's unfair, but going up for the heat, then the heels take a bit of control, then you tease out a hot tag, then you get a hot tag, and then you maybe get a false finish, and then you do all the bits yeah. and all that. So, like, you could kind of map out where all this was going. There wasn't too much within the match that stood out as new or fresh or exciting, beyond the one thing coming to my mind now, which is Edge sticking his hand out for the tag, the no-look tag. Like, he was kind of, like, almost, like, incandescent with rage about, like, Right, in I come. It was like there was a new character moment happening for this edge. There was a couple of moments like that, but I think most of the takeaways are going to be the things that they kind of want you to remember in in highlight form. So uh, Liv Morgan, very briefly, getting that advantage, that flurry. The dive wasn't great, even though they gave you a slow-motion shot of it. Maybe (laughs) Maybe what they were trying to sell you there was the idea that she is feeling empowered to do these sort of things because of her newfound friendship Mm -hmm. with AJ and and Finn. And that's no bad story to tell, so why not? Um... But I did really like Ray Ripley standing in the way of Finn Balor. Finn Balor showed um, valor and showed Balor showed valor mm. and showed an honor by not jumping two footed into Ray Ripley just to get to Edge as she stood as his guardian, as she's wont to do as a new member, as a new acolyte to Edge, as a new member of his stable. That all made sense. That all bought Edge the time he needed to win the match. I thought that was pretty effective. I thought that was quite a nice way to get the Judgment Day over as a unit, and they were in desperate need of a big win. Them getting it while Edge was in there with them puts over the idea that like they need their leader, that he's still the talismanic figure, the cornerstone of this new group, if you will. And, uh, yeah, the booking was 
a positive, broadly speaking. The match didn't leave me with much other than uh, AJ dropping a rare, proper F-bomb instead of the uh, the rotten one he's donated to YouTube over the years, or the freaking that we heard that he says when he's in his matches because he saw, he reacted to his head somehow in a spot that we didn't quite see getting carved open. As he yeah, I don't think that was when he was sent into the turnbuckle towards no. the finish, was it? It felt like it was already, it already happened prior to so. that. Um, but yeah, I, I read uh, for a, for a match where I went Champer or we riot sort of thing going into it in terms of that has to play into the finish and you add a new member to the Judgment Day, mm. and they didn't do that. I wasn't just like, oh, well, that's ruined it. It's yeah, fantasy book that yeah. and it's not happened. Like you say, the the greed of good sacrifice. You know, Rhea Ripley will will offer herself. Will yeah. will defend the Judgment it's Day a and how the night for yeah. in his group. Yeah. And uh, who knows, maybe there was a little tease afterwards that Finn Balor, they could be eyeing up. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Looking at him after the match, you know. Liv Morgan protected, I guess, by not getting pinned. This is, a lot of this seems to have existed to try and help elevate her. Say it with us again, ahead of money in the bank. You know, you want to be line up as many viable contenders as possible. I've just thought about, oh, my God, what if they make Omos climb a ladder? Oh. One rung to reach up and grab the briefcase. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, let's move on to a former Money in the Bank winner. Um, Failed to cash in because... Davidian doesn't have a book. Um, <laughs> Happy Corbin mm-hmm. and the man who finally got his hands on him, Madcap, Madcap Moss, or as he may be known now, Maverick Moss. Yeah, that's a. Uh, we got a shout out whoever it was in our comment section that fired. I wish I could remember who that was in the comments, and I'm pretty sure it's somebody that's typically with us on YouTube as well. So I hope you're out there listening to this, and at the sound of my voice, you immediately fire on Twitter and remind us, "Hey, that was me," because. Uh, in terms of shooting from the hip with a good name, that was a top gun. Hey! Did I get that one right? I don't know. I've never seen films. But uh, the match was what it was. You can't, seven days removed from anarchy in the arena, <laughs> knock out a few 
fun hardcore spots on the floor and expect people to be jumping off the chair. Speaking of the jumping off the chair, we always like the flying office chairs. So the commentary oh, yes. chair going for a ride via... That was Madcap Moss, wasn't it? That yeah. That. that was pretty fun. Um, Madcap Moss going absolutely bananas at the end to get the win and kind of just being like, this is what I came for. Breaking Corbin's neck was pretty much about as earned as the rest of the program was. This was all right. Moss fires up in bursts, and it's quite entertaining. Corbin tries his best with very limited creative, and I want to be that nice, but no more nice, and I feel no need to be nasty. This was good enough for government work, but that was just about all it was. Yeah, I mean, again, this is similar to the the Omos and, and Lashley stuff. I was like... Nothing went wrong. We've and done... we moved on from this now. Yeah. Um, the right person emerged victorious in the end... Cut Moss could be a contender for yep. uh, Maverick Moss could be a contender <laughs> for Money in the Bank. Um, Corbin, I think, deserves some time off now. The character like, needs it too. Like he's, you know, he's poor bastard. Gave up the end of days for Drew McIntyre, and mm. I was pissing about with that bloody feud that will never end on SmackDown. More on that on the SmackDown preview later on this week. Yep. Um, and Drew's obviously being set up for the World Title Clash at the Castle match, etc. Um, so we had that. And then, obviously, like we say, he turned on Mad Cat Moss, and there was only ever going to be one win at the moment that happened, even though he did, you know, take him out for a while and smash up his trophy. Um, yeah, his neck's been pilmanized. He needs to go away and, and reinvent himself in much in the same way Mad yeah. Cat Moss did in the back of an ambulance. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't imagine he'll be giving quite that dramatic a return, but yes, something just like that would be fine and welcome. Um, maybe, I was just going to say this feud shouldn't continue. Maybe like he's involved in Money in the Bank in a way just to be like there. You know, he just comes back just for it because he wants to spoil somebody else's nice time. You know, and I'm not saying that he has to be with Madcap Moss in there, but Corbin can at least take a, a minimum of a month. We don't need like weekly reminders of how he's doing on SmackDown. I just love the idea of the hero baby face in the end. Superman, for example, just going, yeah, and then I, I broke both of his arms. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, you know, he got what was coming to him, so I broke, broke Happy Corbin's neck. Chair around his head. He yeah. might never be able to drink again. <laughs> it was just uh, a, a surreal ending, but like I say, just happy to see that this is done and dusted. Um, then we got the United States Championship match. Hometown boy Mustafa Ali challenging theory for the United States title. And, oh, my God, did they get me with this. Why and when am I going to learn that WWE plus hometown hero equals only one result every single time? And yet, I just thought, maybe, just maybe this time. Yeah, this was, I don't know, part of me thinks this was an achievement on their part, really. It was, I think, a 10-minute really enjoyable sprint, I'd say. Yeah, it didn't, like, none of it outlived its welcome, which is good. Um, I think there was, it was... Right around the final third, that you could realise that it probably wasn't going to be Mustafa Ali's night. So they'd at least, by this point... If when Theory got to the ropes. Yeah, if they've got you on the hook for at least one near fall, then they've done pretty well. There was the spot where, which I particularly loved, where um, Ali sort of high-flying manoeuvred his way into the Randy Orton draping DDT. Oh. And he did it in one fluid motion. It was super quick. It was super effective. It looked mega dangerous. And obviously, when you've got a spot like that in your locker and you just deploy it out of nowhere, it reminds you why a wrestler like Ali is so valuable. Um, you put him in the right context, you put him in the right with the right stakes, as was the case with the United States title, and people will buy that this guy can be a player. It's not that hard 
wrestling in general to get people back up to that level when they can offer you so much. He can more than meet them halfway if he's given the creative investment as he was here. Otherwise, a perfectly enjoyable match. Like, no, this was a theme for the show. I've got to say, even in terms of Bobby Lashley versus almost, there's no real dead spots on this card. No. And I certainly think, like, they held the crowd in the palm of their hand because they played up the hometown stuff so, so much. Ali had the flag on his leg. He had the came out in the Chicago Bulls-inspired top. They talked about it, like, at length that this was a hometown show for him. I think he's done really well to pull himself out of the sludge. But I don't know if Theory was ever going to be the right guy for his first program because he's the project at the moment. Like Ali found himself up against one of WWE's pet projects. Had he found himself up against a bit of a no mark, he himself would be the project. Yeah. And that's what we're going to see next. I think I think the the development of this character going forward on Raw, who he's paired against will show us if there's any development or if he's just rather than sat spinning his wheels at home waiting to be released, he's doing it on television instead. Yeah, I, I sort of mentioned this on the preview as well, that the timing of this show with Money in the Bank on the horizon, to sound like a broken record here, I think really helped this match. Because like you say, if this had gone down at WrestleMania Backlash, for example, mm. I'd have looked at it and gone, well, there's no way Theory's dropping that title. Yeah. You know, they've just put it on him, or I can't remember exactly the timeline, of, but in and around that time, you know, they've just put it on him. Like you say, he's Vince's boy, he's this big project, they've obviously got big, big plans for him why on earth would he drop the title but I could justify to myself Mustafa Ali has come back into the fold come back in from the cold yeah yeah, I'm not suggesting that he has quite the same power as other people to say like and to make it up to me I want a hometown victory winning a mid-card title sort of thing but maybe WWE have gone you know what you know as a as a, a gesture of goodwill how about you win a title in your hometown and get that huge baby that was promptly, you know, that was potentially going to happen. Like you say, from the way he was received, not only that, but you look at the calendar and you go, theories are contender for money in the bank. I realize I book everyone for money in the bank, but if you put, if you push me, if you push me exactly for six to eight people who, you know, could feasibly win it, he'd be in my six Mm -hmm. easy because not only is he clearly a prospect for them, but there's an, the, like, imagine that sort of sword of Damocles hanging over. I mean, it doesn't really work as Roman Reigns' champion, but still, you know, uh, sword of Damocles hanging over whoever's world champion of, like, not only is this guy just waiting for his opportunity to cash in this briefcase, he's got Vince on speed dial. Yeah. So if he wants to just say, how about you put the world champion in a gauntlet tonight, mm-hmm. and then at the end I'll just see how he's feeling. So it's in an advantage position. It's There's not, you know, this, this card was a reminder... Winners and losers coming out of these feuds, as you say, a lot of programs that feel like they were coming to an end. It's it is going to be a running joke that we include everybody in these ladder matches, but the space is for a lot, mm. so it's fairly straightforward for most of the people we've seen on the show. If you want to, to tell the story to get them in there, even someone whose arms hanging off. Mm. I'm talking, of course, of Cody Rhodes. He faced Seth freaking Rollins in the main event. Hell in a cell, like we said, Cody Rhodes went into this two and zero. Winning at WrestleMania and winning a little sneakily at WrestleMania Backlash. And we all sort of anticipated he was going to go on and win this 3 0, except for the uh, speed bump, let's say, that we found out, well, the day of this show, which so, suddenly put some doubt in everyone's mind. Yeah. So I thought that there was no chance anything was going to make me react quite like Seth Rollins taking his jacket off. It turned out it was Cody Rose taking his jacket <laughs> off. Um, a just remarkable performance. This is it. I don't want to 
I'm so conflicted over this. I really don't want to be the person that just like openly and nakedly without any caveats glorifies this idea that you should tape it up and go. Like it's an old idiom that and, and like an old sort of industry unwritten rule that mm-hmm. thankfully we're seeing much, much less of and people touch wood are much healthier for it these days. But if he was cleared, all of these ifs and buts and all that kind of thing, if everyone was relatively happy with this match to go ahead, what a story they were permitted to tell by the virtual, the visual aid of Cody's arm. Um, and indeed, Seth wearing the polka dots of Dusty Rose oh. as well. Like, incredible gear choice to, to try and bait the worst out of Cody. It really did feel like the culmination. What was great about the injury, if we just take this at face value and, it, and he was fine to work it and it looks much worse than it is, I have no doubt that it's still absolutely knacks. But let's just say that maybe they've exaggerated the tear or maybe they've exaggerated the extent of the tear and it is, in fact, a minor thing that he would have worked through and had we not see, had the visual aid, we might not have even known. Like, maybe they've talked about the story because Cody's took his top off and been like, look at this, guys. We have to do something. I'm fine. Well, I got my arm around him, like sort of 360 degrees, whatever it is. It's everything's fine, but look at this. We can't not talk about this. Yeah. So they're like, right, we'll get a story out there that you've torn your peck off your bone. Everybody will feel it so much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever you get it, anyone so much as touches it and leaves a fingerprint on that oh. blue, a blue bruising, like it's it's sort it of change bloody color. Yeah, it's 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 perfect stuff. Um, maybe that's the situation. Maybe it's all a lot more innocent than we're perhaps slightly nervous that it is currently. But either way. All of it is in service of this blood feud. All of it is in service of, like, they even made it part of the storyline. They said that there was a, the brawl triggered something, the weightlifting did the rest, all that kind of thing. We don't yet know what's real, what's work, what's a shoot, et cetera, et cetera. That'll all come out in the wash in the next few days, I'm sure. But the way the wrestlers played with it is, is the content with which we are here to analyze and indeed talk about. And the match was such a sublime use of a, of a real vile injury. Seth was great on offense, uh, willing to, just willing to go to that place, willing to go there in terms of what he was prepared to do to win this match, because as we talked about... So in character as well. Brilliantly so. Like we've seen, as we've talked about, he was undone by the surprise element in match one. He was undone by not realizing what Cody could do in match two. And he was kind of undone by that in match three because he didn't realize what pain Cody was willing to endure to get it done. You know, like all of them have told similar but different stories that feel connected to the last one. And it's something I'm just so impressed with. There was a lot of, uh, you know, I've said it already on another piece of content that you might be listening to or watching on what clutch, but I'm going to say it again. Triple H hung heavy in the bruised diddy (laughs) of Cody Rhodes in this match. Cody's amazing tweet um, where he referenced... The game, for the love of the game, was the tweet, which, of course, could be based on the Triple H tributes that both these men wanted to pay, or indeed, that the fact he just looked like Triple H after that Saudi match. Either way, it factored beautifully into the uh, the body of the match, of course, with the uh, the sledgehammer stuff, with the pedigree teasers, with Seth mentioning the throne earlier in the week, so that was a thing that he wanted to almost, like, get back on Triple H's behalf, mm-hmm. you feel. So much of that sort of the stuff. The cowbell. Funny. Yeah, the cow. Well, so this is great, right? This was... We've talked quite a lot lately on the, and there's debates on, healthy debates, I should say, on either side of the line of, have WWE normalized Cody Rhodes? There's arguments for, there's arguments against. If Cody was working her, or even if he wasn't, whomever came up with the idea of, well, halfway through, Cody Rhodes is going to be like, right, polka dots boy, you want to invoke the dream? Let's invoke the dream, right? Let's bring out Dusty Rhodes in this, and we'll see if you can really stand up to this. We'll bring out the bull rope, and we'll have a bull rope match. 
and not just using the cowbell as a weapon, but Cody slinging that bull rope to Seth and be like, start again, mate. You're in a bull rope match. You've sound yourself in the deep water. Like, you're going to, like, sort of, what's what's the phrase? Like, you run your mouth and your ass can't catch the checks. Yeah, and, yeah. like, here we are now. Like, you've come into my world and we're going to do this. And my our other arm is hanging off. So you've basically got a free shot because my good arm is tied to this. So I've got to beat you with this. Otherwise, I'm absolutely... And he went for it, and he did it, and it was class. Like, such a unique ingredient. And it's little moments like that that just feel... I'll give you the contrast, because it's an absolutely perfect one. Seth Rollins versus The Fiend was the moment that WWE's creative bankruptcy was laid bare yeah. in the world's sea. Killed two characters in one match. Killed them dead. Killed a title reign. Killed a push. Killed a gimmick before Edge and Seth Rollins saved it in terms of Hell in a Cell, right? Is the bull rope not the like, visual and literal opposite of the Fiend match. Like, this was a an in-character choice of Cody to introduce this in the match, and it felt awesome. It took the match in a completely new direction. It provided, like, a nice halfway point for the match. We're like, right, we've, you've had time to get used to the injury. You've had time for the wrestlers to play with that. Now we're getting serious. This is the decider of a blood feud. This thing would have happened with or without Cody's arm hanging off, without his peck hanging off. Just creativity is a blossoming Either Cody Rhodes is the director of that, either he's being given creative freedom, or WWE are just so inspired by this character that they themselves are being creative. Something is absolutely working on another level, and I think you're a liar if you deny that. Mm. I said this on the on the Raw review, and maybe we're slightly baiting the two of you a little yeah. bit, I think it's fair to say. But I think if you think Cody Rhodes has been normalized by WWE, you don't know what the f*** you're talking about. <laughs> I just genuinely do feel that way. He hasn't lost a single match. No. I thought, I know you and I disagree with this, but I thought his impassioned, I want to win the United States Championship Mm -hmm. to set up a Mm -hmm. justification for the third match of like, all right, you're going to take all this away from me again. Rather than just, I'm just going to interfere in any old match that you have against whoever, The Miz or whatever. I know he did that subsequently, but still. It's uh, (laughs) it's one of those where, yeah, it's, it's, for me, is a crucial element to this story. It is a fascinating development too. I thought this was absolutely sensational as a main event of this show. It rehabilitated Hell in a Cell yet again in mm. our eyes. We were talking on the stream, like you say, about, about Edge and, and Seth Rollins, about um, Bianca Belair and Bailey, for example, chucking it together in, what, 48 hours, mm. you were saying. And then you got this. Like, yeah, the cowbell stuff, but also the weight belt stuff. Yeah. But also both of them going through tables for very different reasons. Mm. The hubris of Seth Rollins to be like, I'm going to do a big old frog splash. <laughs> and then, Seth, you know, Seth not not putting Cody out enough. Cody moving out of the way. That almost costing him. Then him buckle bombing him through a table. Oh, and it all all Cody could do. He'd, done, he'd been in a position before and he'd fought out of it. This time all he could do was like, you know, like yeah. curl up in a ball and just be like, well, this is going to suck. <laughs> Gets chucked through that. Cody baiting him outside, and then as he comes back in, hitting him with a curb stomp to almost get the victory there. And then, yeah, the the exchange of crossroads, as I think you said, Rollins hit one and was setting up presumably for like a falcon arrow or maybe yeah. a second. The introduction of the sledgehammer, and then the finish being two crossroads and being like, no, you know what? I've finished you like this before. This is the end. I said I was going to take you to hell with this, and I'm going to clonk you with this sledgehammer to finally put a bullet point at the end of it. And then it's just celebration where he can't even raise his arm to mm. celebrate, really. I'm astonished at what they've been able to do with, with Cody Rhodes in the best possible way in WWE. 
Yeah. Because I had my reservations. Without question, I had my reservations. Mm. You sat, I stood in the stadium going, maybe he loses his first match back. <laughs> like, they all pissed off with him. Look, yeah. he's got a made up over there sort of thing. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> so there was that. Now you've got this. And like, like you say, we wish Cody well in his recovery. Fingers crossed it is not too long he's out for. You need to take as long as he needs to take, of course. Right, yeah. If it's six months, <laughs> my calendar says to me that's, well, on the road to Royal Rumble season. And, my God, do we need some some popular Royal Rumble winners. And I can't think of many better than Cody Rhodes. And that also, I just realized, plays into the story of him saying, hey, money in the bank, win this. You're going to WrestleMania and fight for the title. Can't be in money in the bank now. You've only got one arm, mate. Yeah. What's the other way to get to WrestleMania and fight for a world title? Yeah, it's it's just genius. It's 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 uh, not inconspicuous. What's the phrase I'm I'm looking for here? It's you know lucky mm. that it's all maybe a sort of falling into place. But who better than to to make the most of it than, than Cody Rhodes, who I think has been a, a revelation since since jumping to WWE. I just I'm so again I, I I'm so like if if it is that kind of injury and it, that it almost helps doesn't help them with, the, with two massive stadium shows coming up in the summer, but it helps them in terms of being able to preserve his magic a little bit for January, and then you've got the road to WrestleMania, when by that point it'll probably be like too hard to blow it. But I ju- I'm just, I'm so impressed with, again, it's like, I don't want to just so, I think it would be slightly bad faith to just say, Cody has come in, and Cody is great, WWE is still absolutely terrible, uniformly, like at a systemic level, but Cody is different. But equally... I think it would be unfair on Cody to be like, WWE have got him bang on. This feels like, so far, some sort of dream collaboration. Mm. I think one is motivating the other, and the other is looking at the one and thinking, yes. I think Cody is willing to willingly putting himself out there in ways that, uh, you know, let's just use Vince as a person, because he always wants to be the guy at the end of all this. And Cody is pressing the right buttons with Vince McMahon that Vince McMahon is wanting to press new buttons that he almost never presses anymore for Cody Rhodes. And it's just the relationship is feeling what's most successful at the moment. You know, this is a this feels like a super successful collaborative process. And I feel like you can watch it coming out in in Cody's work. Yes, a lot of it is quite it's quite hammy and it's quite WWE, but he himself has said he said out of the company that he believes himself to be the best wrestler in the world. And within it, that he is willing to be the best sports entertainer. And I kind of think we're seeing a bit of a marriage mm. of all that playing out at the moment. This this match, right, I'm, I'm unsure where I sit on the overall quality of this match. The enormous and immense and incredible drama informed by the injury was was the story. But I think the bigger, the bigger picture from this match is that Cody's been back, what, we're now, Gene, like April, May, Gene, three months has has been on three premium live events in the matches that you're kind of supposed to remember. The rest is, is raw stuff. But two of them, two of those matches, have kind of been like all-time DVD chapter point moments. Yeah. Like the comeback was always going to be the comeback. But we're into June, and this injury has just made... This night will be one of Cody's big nights. You know, if a wrestler gets five, and obviously, ideally, you want your big stars to have more. Yeah. But if a wrestler only ever gets, like, five big nights that they can ever go back to if there's ever time, if you're getting whatever the whatever the me- measure is now, it used to be DVD box sets. Now it might be chapter points on a network documentary. Things that Steve Austin will spend time talking about on his next interview with you. That kind of thing. You know that sort of thing that mm-hmm. everybody just has to stop and be like, right, we've got to talk about, but, but we just witnessed one. 
Mm-hmm. And it was only two months ago that we just witnessed one. <laughs> yeah. This is what he's doing right now. We were back to moments. He's making those moments. And if he is gone to the Royal Rumble, more power to him because he's going to make another massive one in January as well. I don't know how this goes. I don't know if he's fine. I don't know if we just get used to Cody Rhodes wrestling with another hideous blemish on his body like we have done the neck tattoo and (laughs) that just becomes normalised until he fully recovers. But all I know is that we're a few months deep and he's the guy. Mm. Everything I have said... And like, with apologies, because I know he's your boy, but everything I've said with what I think are the fundamental problems with Roman Reigns is the guy that pretty much just comes out his finger, sticks his finger in the air, is be happening with the polar opposite of the guy that is going out there and dying for this thing every single week. Yeah. They're almost a study in perfect contrast. Roman Reigns wants to do as little as possible to cling on to these belts. That guy, Cody Rhodes, will do everything he can to prove himself worthy of winning them. Like... There is a man on your shirt, The Rock, who has been understandably fantasy booked into this Hollywood WrestleMania dream match with Roman Reigns. There's a guy putting the work, doing the work to make himself undeniable to be The Rock's likely replacement on that night. And it's Cody Rhodes. I completely agree. And uh, yeah, I I just was about to say, as you were talking about it then, when was the last time you watched a a B show? That's Mm. not like Money in the Bank. I, 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 I like... I yeah. consider it Money in the Bank sort of an A minus show. It's not mm-hmm. one of the big four, but it's just certainly one of my favorites. I always love going back and watching uh, Money in the Bank matches. When was the last time we watched a B show and you went to yourself, first thing I do when I wake up after a nap after this is watch that match back because that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Oh, and, and 100%. Need, yeah. And it, I want I want to feel and Maybe skip the bit where he shoves the kendo stick in his <laughs> <laughs> I want to feel those reactions again. If you, um, it's a cheap plug myself. If you want to follow me on Twitter at Michael Hamflit, you'll find um, our reactions <laughs> as they occurred. We did the live stream. We were fortunate enough to have our reactions recorded on a camera uh, with a big spotlight on them. So if you want to go back and watch that stream or indeed see the still images as a bit of a teaser, it's there. It, yeah. was, it, was, it was real. Every, nobody, nobody will have seen that and have not just recoiled or felt something. Yeah. Bang on about thinking versus feeling all the time. And when it comes to Cody at the moment, it might not last forever, but all I'm doing is feeling. Exactly. What a brilliant end to uh, a surprisingly enjoyable paper, premium live event. Mm. Um, like I say, we, we went in with low expectations, but that opener... That main event was that premium. Main event, that yeah. main event was... Uh, this feud has been premium in every sense of the word. Oh, well, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, Wash, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, lots more of the fallout from hell in a cell coming your way. And uh, Andy Murray and Michael Sidgwick looking ahead to the Raw after Hell in a Cell later on today as well. And if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review on the Raw Review on Tuesday, then do so by subscribing to What Culture Wrestling and leaving us a five-star review on there. But for now, this has been the Hell in a Cell review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.